good morning to you and good to see you at this hour of worship and if you are a, a visitor with us we're glad to have you here and invite you to come back to worship with us on many many future occasions <clears throat> our bible school children uh, this year did a presentation for us at the earlier service and so i think most of our children and their parents were down there today uh, we really appreciate all of those who worked with our children this last week. We had 70-something children in our Bible school. And, of course, Jessica uh, was heavily involved in the music. Uh, Katie Jeter was heavily involved in everything. Uh, by the way, y'all did a good job of raising that young one. Could you raise some other one soon? We could you know, raise up another good leader like that. So... Uh, Anyway, we, uh, we're grateful for the good week we had in Bible school. Um, loved the time I got to be with them. There was uh, one child, I could tell that he was not happy when he first got there. And I went over to him and I said, what's wrong? And a four-year-old child looked at me and said, it's my father. And I said, oh, no, what's wrong? He says, he left me. And I said, yeah, he did. <laughs> but he'll be back. <laughs> It's fun being with those children as they experience the faith and life and uh, uh, lots of fun. So anyway, we thank all those who worked very diligently with our children. Um, I, by the way, I was told that our Presbyterian neighbors are having Bible school soon and that they have a handwritten flimsy sign stuck in their yard. All right. Good for church signs. That's great. <laughs> Let's see, a couple of announcements. Um, if you want to look online at some of the pictures from Bible School, go to greerchurch.com. Adam has been taking bunches of pictures. Wonderful Wednesdays for Children will begin this week, um, June 15th with Western Day. Kids are invited to join Miss Katie and Miss Leanna in the church from 9 to noon. Uh, wear boots and hats and come out for some cowboy fun. Uh, second Family Fun Day at the lake will be on Sunday, June the 26th at Lake Robinson. I hope that you'll now plan to be there. Bring a side dish or dessert. Meat and drinks will be provided. Uh, happy news to tell you today about some premature twins that were delivered by C-section uh, on Friday. Um, the Sims, Bo and Meredith, are happy parents of little girls. Uh, Harper, Graham, and Olivia Kennedy uh, Sims, who will be in the neonatal intensive care unit for probably about a month because they were very premature. But uh, we are grateful for their healthy arrival. Music camp for children will be sometime in early August. Be uh, listening for more details. Oh, Dan and Gail Snow are celebrating 55 years of wedding, wedded bliss today. Uh, at least Dan is celebrating. I don't know where the gale is. <clears throat> but we, we celebrate with you and congratulate you on that. And finally, speaking of people you did a good job raising, the best sermon, teaching, speech, whatever it was exactly, that I heard all this last week at annual conference was presented by your own Susan Leonard Ray who did an absolutely wonderful job at the four o'clock afternoon sleepy hour, uh, keeping us interested and in, in attentive to her sermon and teaching experience as she was talking about leadership and the Wesleyan spirit. Um, I'm grateful for the job you did of raising, help, helping uh, the, the Leonard's raise that young'un because she's continuing to, uh, to, to do you prou uh, proud by her good leadership in our church and in our conference. Oh, well, there's more to be said later. Let us now begin our time together in worship.
confession of faith is the Apostles' Creed. Let us unite in this historic confession of the Christian faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under the Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From this he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of life, and the life everlasting. Our Old Testament lesson is from the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verses 24 through 30. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. He brought together 70 of their elders and had them stand around the tent. Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him, and he took of the spirit that was on him and put the Spirit on the 70 elders. When the Spirit rested on them, they prophesied, but they did not do so again. However, two men, whose names were Eldad and Medad, had remained in the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they did not go out to the tent. Yet the Spirit also rested on them, and they prophesied in the camp. A young man ran and told Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' aide since youth, spoke up and said, Moses, my Lord, stop them. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Then Moses and the elders of Israel returned to the camp. Here ends the lesson. Our responsive reading is Psalm 104, beginning on page 826. I invite you to stand as you're able as we share this psalm together responsively. <clears throat> Bless the Lord, O my soul. You are clothed with honor and majesty, and cover yourself with light as with a garment. You have stretched out the heavens like a tent, and have laid the beams of your chambers on the waters. You make the clouds your chariot, and ride on wings of the wind. You make the winds your messengers, fire and clay your ministers. You set the earth on its foundation so that it should never be shaken. At your rebuke they fled. At the sound of your thunder they took to They rose up to the mountains, ran down to the valleys, to the place which you appointed for them. You set them down, but they should not pass, so that they might not be in You make springs gush forth in the valleys. They flow between the hills. Above the springs, the birds of the air have their nest. They sing among the branches. From your lofty place, you water the mountains. With the fruit of your work, the earth O Lord, how manifold are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Yonder is the sea, great and wide. There go the ships and Leviathan, whom you formed to play in it. These all look to you to give them their food in due season. When you give to them, they gather it. When you open your hand, they are filled with good things. When you hide your face, they are dismayed. When you take away their breath, they die and return to their dust. When you send forth your spirit, they are created. May the glory of the Lord endure forever. May the Lord rejoice in his works. Who moves on the earth with the trembles, who touches the mountains with his 
I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. May my meditation be pleasing to the Lord in whom I rejoice. Let sinners be consumed from the earth, and let the wicked be no Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise the Lord. Our epistle reading is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, and verses 12 through 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, the, there were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not all these men who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in his own native language. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here ends the lesson. Thank you. 
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we remember this day that many years ago, a small group of 120 disciples of Jesus Christ spilled out of their prayer room and prayer time onto the streets of Jerusalem, having just received their marching orders to begin preaching and having been empowered by your spirit to do that work, their enthusiasm was such that many people noticed and came to hear the explanation and the small group that day grew into a large army of followers of Jesus Christ. We are thankful that that day occurred and the church was born and that the disciples did indeed go into all the world to proclaim the good news and that that proclamation has made its way not only to every corner of the globe but through the years to us today and we receive it with the same enthusiasm and the same joy and the same hope that the early church received the good news about Jesus for we all need to know that you love and care and redeem us from our sins, that you inhabit our lives by your spirit and fill us with your goodness, and that you empower us to live the Christian life in our day. And we're thankful for the good news that eternal life begins for us now here on this earth because of the spirit's presence but it continues beyond this life in eternity. And so we come many, many centuries after that first Pentecost day to offer you our thanks for your continued blessings on your church, for your continued proclamation of the good news in Jesus Christ through the church, and for your indwelling spirit coming to us in our lives. And we pray, Lord, that in our day and in days to come, we would be reminded that the church has been given its marching orders, that we are to go into all the world to live the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ and to invite others to follow us in following Jesus who is the way, the truth, and the life. We're grateful for opportunities we have at this church to share the good news with another generation recently born and coming up through our Sunday school programs in our youth department. We're grateful for people moving into our community who are finding a place here of nurture and growth for themselves and their children and we pray your blessings upon us as we would continue in that legacy of faith given that day of Pentecost as we go proclaim the good news about Jesus in our day. And we pray not only for ourselves and for our United Methodist Church, but for all churches of our community that we might all together proclaim the good news about Christ and that we would be more mindful of being in one voice and in one mind than we would being in competition with each other. And so we pray for our sisters in the faith this day and our brother churches as well, that you might use them to advance your kingdom. For we pray these things in the name of Jesus, who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory 
forever. Amen. Now let us worship God by giving.
seated, please. <clears throat> the gospel reading for today is John chapter 7, verses 37 through 39. On the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time the Spirit had not been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. Here ends the lesson. If you have ever lived through hurricane force winds or a tornado, you know the sound and the fury of the wind. It does indeed sometimes sound like a freight train or a jet engine right at your side. The pictures we've seen recently from Missouri and Alabama and North Carolina remind us of what uh, an invisible force like the wind can do, and it really is invisible. What you and I see in those funnel clouds is actually uh, debris that has been caught up or moisture that is being poured down. Uh, it's not the wind itself, because that would be invisible. According to Acts chapter 2, the people on the streets of Jerusalem heard the Holy Spirit coming upon 120 people gathered together in the upper room. And it sounded like a mighty wind roaring. Empowered and embodied, and emboldened rather, these Christians bore, uh, burst forth from their prayer meeting onto the streets and their joy was overflowing, their excitement so powerful that people thought for a minute that the disciples might be intoxicated. The Spirit had given the disciples new abilities, one of which was the ability to speak in languages of all those nations from around the Mediterranean region so that people from those regions could hear for themselves what God had done in Christ Jesus. Peter quieted the crowd and explained that no, they, nobody was drunk. I don't know why he had to say it was way too early in the day for that. Looks like he could have done better. But uh, he explained instead what was happening was fulfillment of Joel's prophecy. God had taken the first step in pouring out his spirit upon all people. And that this outpouring was available to them, those people on the street. And to us, many, many years later, in fact, this gift was for all people that God was calling to faith in Jesus Christ. Here, nearly 2,000 years following that day of Pentecost, our understanding of the Holy Spirit is not much clearer than that of the people on the streets of Jerusalem that day. What exactly was going on? What did it mean? You and I don't usually have trouble imagining how God could be father-like and be the creator of all things. We can usually understand how that same God might choose to become one of us, a human being, so that he might reveal himself to us. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we get just a little bit fuzzy in our thinking like the Ephesians of Acts 19, we say, we hadn't heard a great deal about this Holy Spirit. At least we haven't heard that much. The only ones who talk a whole lot about the Holy Spirit in our day are TV and radio preachers and Pentecostal pastors. And from them, you will get an interpretation slanted from their theology, one that is biased in their direction, so one of the needs of all of us in historic Christian churches like United Methodism is to rediscover our own theology of the Holy Spirit. And I hope that uh, I can help you on that journey somewhat today. 
The Holy Spirit is the person of the Godhead that we encounter most intimately in our daily lives. As the modern affirmation in our hymn book says, the Spirit is the divine presence in our lives, the one who reminds us of the truths of Christ. It is through the Spirit that Christ comes to live in our hearts. The Holy Spirit is also referred to as the Spirit of God or the Spirit of Christ because the Spirit's activity is vitally connected with God's self-revelation and with Jesus' mission on earth. When he spoke to Nicodemus about the Holy Spirit, Jesus compared the Spirit to the wind. The fact is that the Greek and Hebrew words for Spirit and and wind, are, it's, it is the same word. What is it about the wind that makes it a useful metaphor for the spirit? It is probably that they're both unseen forces, but their effects can be seen and felt. Remember how cold it was back in January? I thought we would never, ever get hot again. The weatherman said it was 40 out there, but there was a wind chill knocking about 10 more degrees off of that as far as how it felt, and we understood that the wind just made everything colder. In the summertime, we thank, uh, we're thankful for every breeze that comes by our way. Similarly, the Holy Spirit can best be understood by what we see the Spirit accomplishing. If we learn what the Spirit's work in our lives is, perhaps we can become more aware of His presence and activities. And by the way, you will notice that most ministers use the pronoun he when referring to the Holy Spirit, even though the Greek word for spirit is feminine. When we use the male pronoun to refer to God or the Spirit, we're not really using that to say male, but rather to indicate personal being rather than an impersonal force like the wind is. And so we recognize that God is not an impersonal force. He is a caring parent, a faithful brother, and an ever-present spirit. John Wesley taught that uh, the Holy Spirit had three main tasks to accomplish in our lives, inviting, assuring, and sanctifying. As for the task of inviting us, the Holy Spirit is God's drawing force, the means by which we are attracted to God and become interested in spiritual matters. In his notes on John chapter 14, Wesley says that the Spirit's main task is to reveal to us the truth concerning Christ and to help us receive Christ as Lord. Jesus taught that the Spirit would testify about him and convince people of sin and therefore their need for salvation, their need of Christ. So the Holy Spirit courts us on behalf of Christ, convincing us of our need and helping us understand how loving Christ is. So if you have come to love Christ as your Lord and Savior, to embrace him as your Lord, you have experienced the Holy Spirit in your life at work. Exactly when does the Holy Spirit come to us? One of the gifts of John Wesley to the Christian faith was his concept of provenient grace. Wesley taught that every one of us was given provenient grace at the moment of our birth. And grace is always the work of God's Spirit within us. Therefore, God's Spirit is always with us and present around us. In Luke 1, we read how, how John the baptizer was filled with the Holy Spirit from the moment of his birth. Well, apparently that's true of more than just John. Perhaps that's true of all of us as well. There never was a time when you were not under the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. Wesley came up with that term, provenient grace, to answer one of the unanswered questions of Christian history. That question was, if it is true that we all are inheritors of original sin, which means that we've 
alienated ourselves from God, we've turned our backs on God and are moving away from God, if that alienation is thorough and complete, how is it that we're able to hear a voice from behind us saying, come home? How are we able to hear the voice of God and respond? Wesley's answer was that in response to original sin, God gave everybody a counteracting dose of grace, provenient grace, a grace that comes before all other things when we're born. He equated that with our conscience. He said we could hear God's voice and return to God only because God has given us a gift enabling us to do that. The Spirit is with us from day one, and baptism affirms that reality. So the first task of the Holy Spirit in all of our lives is to invite us to convince us of our sin and our need for salvation and to teach us about Jesus and his work on the cross. If we have learned about Jesus, if we have come to acknowledge him as Lord of our lives, it is a sure thing that we have felt the wind of God's spirit blowing through our lives. The second work of the Holy Spirit is to assure us of our salvation and of God's love for us. It's one thing to know some facts up in your head. It's quite another thing to know something deep down in your heart. Wesley knew his whole life up in his head about Christ. He knew all the facts of Christianity. His parents saw to that. He knew how Jesus had died to save everyone, and he became an ordained minister of the Anglican Church to, to spread that good news. But Wesley hadn't made the heart connection yet. He had no assurance down deep inside his heart that Christ's death was for him also. In January of 1738, Wesley wrote in his journal, the faith I want is a sure trust and confidence in God that through the merits of Christ, my sins are forgiven. I want that faith which no one can have without knowing that he has it. Wesley needed the spirit to bear witness with his spirit to assure him that he was a child of God. Four months later, he found this assurance while attending a prayer meeting at Aldersgate Street on May 24, 1738. And after that meeting, he wrote this in his journal, I felt my heart strangely warmed I felt that I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation. And an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Every one of us needs that kind of assurance. And we need to be reassured from time to time that we're loved. The wife of a very busy executive complained one day to him. She said, you haven't told me that you love me in a very long time. The executive reached into his coat pocket and pulled out a calendar and looked back and says, I recorded in my calendar on December 25th of last year that I told you that I love you. I will let you know if that ever changes. Well, most of us need a little bit more signs of love than that. Whenever you receive the assurance that God loves you and that you're his child, you are experiencing the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And it's not uncommon that this is something we might need every day. How often do our little children tell us that they love us and how often do they like to hear the words, Mommy and Daddy love you? I suspect that's a daily or an hourly occurrence and you and I need that too. And God's spirit comes routinely and regularly to tell us this. Wesley also talked a lot about another work of the Holy Spirit. And he called it sanctification or perfection. And that in some ways is an unfortunate choice of words. Because it's a bit scary to us to think about perfection. Maturity. Christian maturity might have been a little easier for Methodists to explain Christian maturity sounds like something a bit more attainable and practical. 
You see, Martin Luther's emphasis had always been on justification by faith alone. Justification means that the judge has issued you a pardon, a not guilty verdict. But Wesley wanted to go further than that. He didn't just want to be pardoned. He wanted to be rehabilitated. He didn't just want forgiveness of sins. He wanted sin's defeat in his life. He wanted to go on to become Christ-like in his heart. Wesley wanted nothing less than purity of heart because he said it's the pure in heart that see God. This rehabilitation, perfecting, maturing is what we mean by sanctification. The Holy Spirit's work is to invite us, to assure us, and then to lead us on to maturity, to sanctification. It is the work of the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live the faith. Someone has said that Christianity isn't difficult for us on our own. It's completely impossible. Love all people all the time. Forgive always. Turn the other cheek. Bless those that persecute us. Refrain from evil and temptation always. Sounds pretty impossible by ourselves. But what is impossible for us is possible for God. God plants the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And eventually we begin harvesting the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Picture yourself a minute as one of the fields that we have around here that's completely overgrown with kudzu and weeds. That's how all of us would be without the work of Christ in our lives. Now imagine some bulldozers going out there and clearing all those weeds and all that kudzu away, leaving just dirt-filled land there, just, just a covered uh, dirt hillside cleared. That's what salvation is like. Now imagine that field being planted with good seeds, which in time would produce good crops, corn, tomatoes, beans, that will bless many people. That's what sanctification is. Wesley wanted us to be more than just a cleared field. He wanted us to start growing Christ-like virtues and fruits in our lives. If you ever see Christ-like virtues growing within yourself or in someone else, and it's always easier to see it in someone else, not in yourself. But if you see this ever, then you are seeing the work of God's Holy Spirit in your midst. And because we don't see it in ourselves as easily, it becomes mighty important that from time to time we speak words to one another and say, I've noticed something in you lately I want to thank God for. I've noticed a renewed peace. I've noticed a joy in your hearts. I've noticed a steadfastness about your life. We speak these words of assurance to one another, how important that is. Inviting, assuring, sanctifying. Perhaps there are some of you here today that are being invited by the Holy Spirit to become disciples of our Lord. If you're being invited by the Spirit, just say yes. You won't be disappointed. You may be challenged, but you won't be disappointed. Perhaps others of you are in need of the reassurance that God loves you today or that he loves you still. You need the witness of the Spirit to your heart today, warming your heart, reminding you that you are God's child. Perhaps others are in need of the Holy Spirit's work to lead you on to Christian maturity and sanctification, to plant seeds of Christ-like virtues in your lives. The Spirit is here today inviting you, assuring you, and sanctifying you. Amen. Amen.